Chelsea agreed to sign Noni Maduake from PSV, Rhys James and Ben Chilwell returned to Chelsea training, and will Todd Bowley's massive spend this month break financial fair play rules? Hello there guys, welcome back to the show. I am Daniel Child, this is Let's Talk Chelsea, breaking down the latest news around Stamford Bridge. Hope you're doing well, hope you're keeping safe on this Thursday as we get closer to the weekend and this busy January transfer window for Chelsea already gets a little busier with another signing soon to be confirmed. We're going to get into that straight away because I'm sure that is the big news Chelsea fans want to be speaking about this evening. Then we'll get into some other stuff that I think is important to discuss and debate and, and talk about as we get closer to that massive game against Liverpool on Saturday afternoon. If you are new around here and enjoy Chelsea content, make sure to hit the notification bell so you don't miss any of the regular uploads on this channel. And if you want to listen to the show as a podcast, you can do Son of Chelsea is a part of the 90-minute podcast network. If you're on YouTube, link in the description box below. And if you're listening, make sure to give the show a positive rating review because it really does help out. But let's get into the breaking news on this Thursday evening. A player that we have heard about, but I haven't really spoken that much on the podcast. Holland and Dutch reports, but we've got it now. Nori Manawake to Chelsea. Here we go from Fabrizio Romano. We've also got The Athletic reporting it through David Ornstein. Chelsea have agreed terms to sign the PSV Eindhoven winger. The player is now expected to travel to London. Madawake, who was born in Barnet, North London, has starred for PSV since breaking through into their first team. He has scored 11 goals in 51 league games for the Dutch side. The 20-year-old is now on the cusp of moving back to England to join the West London side. He was also at Tottenham and Crystal Palace at youth level before joining PSV in 2018. It's been a deal that I think Chelsea have been trying to get done for several weeks now, I think, or at least we heard about it early in 2023. So it's great that this is another one being done. It's not a central midfielder, but it doesn't seem to be as hefty a fee as the Mikhailo Mudrik deal that we spoke about over the weekend. It seems to be around 35 million euros. That's the initial report. But as we know with transfers, uh, the fees are so wildly reported, it's kind of hard to know how quickly or, or how different those fees will be in a couple of days' time. But this is another player that has excited people and it very much falls into the category of Mudrik, of many players Chelsea are trying to recruit at the moment. And I know people who enjoy watching Madawaki and have seen his the way he's improved at PSV, believe he, he like Mudrik, is going to offer something to Chelsea from a wide area that is a lot different. I know when this originally came out, there were some concerns. I think CFC Central, a good account on Twitter, brought up that the number of games he's played over the last, I think, three seasons is not that encouraging in terms from an injury perspective. And with all the problems Chelsea have on an injury front, we don't need more injury-prone players. So let's just hope, as a young player, he is still 20 years old, that will kind of ease out. But, you know, Chelsea, with injuries to wide players like Christian Pulisic and Raheem Sterling at the moment, we're trying to avoid that. So hopefully he doesn't suffer those issues at Stamford Bridge. But... It's another interesting one. It's another one that I think is showing Chelsea's rebuild. And I think every one of these deals, I think, signals more and more of what's going to happen in the summer with some of the current attack who are going to be leaving now. What does it say to Christian Pulisic, who's currently on the sidelines? What does it say to Hakim Ziyech? What does it say to Callum Hudson-Odoi, who's currently on loan at Bayer Leverkusen? And I think it says to all of those players... 
you know, you're going to have a tougher time getting football and also that you may need to look elsewhere in the summer. Chelsea are not messing around. They're looking to rebuild this attack. And I'm interested to hear your thoughts and, and what is going to happen with Madawake when he comes in. Uh, a bit like Mudrik, as we expect, will probably slot into first-team football. This is a guy who has been playing first-team football for PSV at quite a decent level in the Eredivisie and also playing Europa League football, played against Arsenal earlier in the season. So we'll see how he does. And I know people, as I say, are excited. Obviously, people who knows sort of the England under 21, the the Franks have, have been excited about this player. So we will see how he does when he becomes uh, confirmed as a Chelsea player because it seems like the deal is going to be done now. Another one, we've had Benoit Badia-Shile, David Datro-Fafana, Joao Felix on loan, Mikhailo Mudrik, and now the fifth signing, if I've got it right. I mean, actually sixth if we count Andre Santos as well. I know some of those were kind of being sort of talked about before the new year, but it's been such a busy window and already we're hearing that there's going to be another signing at least. I think Ben Jacobs from CBS said there will at least be two more signings after Mudrik. So we've had one in Madawake. We'll see what the next one's going to be. And I hope this time it's either a right-back cover or central midfield. But hopefully this one turns out to be successful and helps Chelsea's attack. Let's move on to the next story. And we're going to speak about Reese James and Ben Chirwell, both back in training now at Cobham. N'Golo Kante as well, apparently back in individual training. But Reese James and Ben Chirwell are closer to returning. And it's a massive thing for Chelsea to have both of these players back. It's been a huge, huge blow to not have them for Graham Potter. These are transformative players. We saw the impact that Reese James had on Chelsea and our performance against Bournemouth uh, on, on Boxing Day. Sorry, it wasn't Boxing Day. It was the 27th of December. Um, and it was massive for us to have him. And then, of course, he goes down injured. We haven't had him for a few weeks and he's missed some some big games with Chelsea. I would not be rushing either of these players back for obvious reasons based on the, the setbacks they've personally had. Uh, but I'm more thinking about Reese James there in the sense that he came back uh, just after Christmas and, and had that knee problem again and it's ruled him out. You really do not want to be rushing them back if they're not ready with all the injury issues we've had. Um, and I know that, li- listen, Liverpool is a massive game and it's one that we'd love to win. But I'm thinking about not just Liverpool on Saturday, I'm thinking about the rest of the season. Chelsea have a lot of games left to play. We're just over the halfway point in the Premier League and Chelsea have some game, games in hand. We have the, of course, the Borussia Dortmund Champions League game coming up where, you know, if we win, were to win that and get into the quarterfinal, then there's going to be some big games coming up. So, and it's the same on the, the Ben Chilwell front. Do not rush these players back until they are ready. We're not going to be able to prevent injuries in the future. But I'd like to think they're taking their time after all of the injury problems Chelsea have had and after the injury problems these two players have had over the past year. Because if we can get them back fit, and it's a massive if, as we know, game-changing for Chelsea. It really, really is. And uh, just hope for for their sake we can see them back in action soon because they're just wonderful players. I mean, Ben Chirwell, some of the disrespect I've seen towards Ben Chirwell in recent weeks because he's not been on the pitch has been bizarre. Um, this is your venture. Well, you think back to the Champions League win, how wonderful his performance was in Porto, but also some of his good performances earlier in the season. You know, the goal he scored against West Ham, the way he changed that game off the bench. You know, this is a player as well who, who can do big things and I think just completely changes the complexion and look and dynamic of our team out wide. So, say fingers crossed, but it's great that they're back in training and hopefully N'Golo 2 can be back sooner rather than later. 
Uh, one of the other things I want to speak about today, Swiss Ramble posted an article on his, I think it was his Substack, and I, I definitely suggest go and read this. It is a long piece. Will Chelsea's transfer spend break financial fair play rules? This is a question that's been posed pretty recently after the Mikhailo Mudrik deal, how big that is, even though it isn't 100 million up front, it could turn out to be 100 million in over his 8.5 year contract and you know Chelsea still spending money. Are they going to break FFP? I think some concerned Arsenal fans are bringing up this question and he sort of delved into it. And as I say, link to the description box below if you're watching on YouTube, please go and check it out because I think it absolutely is. And I think he's at Swiss Ramble on Twitter. I'm sure a lot of people know his work and he kind of goes into it, delves into it. He looks at the the players we've bought over the past year, the players we've sold, the finances, the revenue, broadcast, sponsorship, everything you could want to kind of know about Chelsea's finances from an expert. It, it really is here. But this is what he had to say. Chelsea have spent a 119 million to date this January window to bring in Mudrik, Badiashile, Santos, Fafana, plus a 10 million loan fee to secure the services of Joao Felix for six months. Adding to this, the 253 million outlay in the summer gives total gives a total transfer spend to date in 2023 of 372 million or 385 million if you add the 13 million on loan fees. Uh, total expenditure uh, would increase to a staggering 436 if 51 million add-ons are included. Summer purchases including Wesley Fofana, Mokka Correa, Raheem Sterling, Kaladu Koulibaly, Connie Chukwameka, Cesare Cassade, Gabslanina and Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. Uh, he then also mentioned the Lukaku deal for nearly 100 million uh, which means that Chelsea have spent around half a billion pounds on transfer fees in the last two years. In addition, the club's bottom line has been impacted by player loans, arrivals and returns. He concludes by saying Chelsea will clearly have to be conscious of FFP, but their big spending does not automatically mean that they will fall foul of the regulations, especially if they maintain their profitable player trading model assisted by accounting treatment of transfers. As it stands, it looks like they will be compliant with the Premier League's profitability and sustainability regulations, though they will have a few more challenges with UEFA's FFP due to the smaller losses allowed. However, even here, the new rules that will be implemented from the 23-24 season will allow them more scope. He does mention, though, that if Chelsea fail to qualify for the Champions League this season, which looks like a very realistic possibility, sort of it is effectively you know, a game changer. Um, so we know that we know the revenue from the Champions League and we know for Chelsea compared to say Manchester United Chelsea cannot afford to be at the Champions League it really does hit us compared to those those other big English clubs but I think with with this case um, it I understand why Chelsea are doing a lot of the business they are right now I think it is kind of front-loading a lot of stuff in the in the you know, the risk, which seems very, you know, realistic at the moment. Chelsea do not get Champions League football, the effect that could have on our summer transfer business and having to rebuild a squad that has had a lot of problems. And you just hear those numbers and then you just look at the problems we've had on the pitch and the lack of value we've got from a lot of those transfers really is concerning. And it's something that this new ownership that you can say and be accused of, of sort of hurting themselves with the summer transfer business in particular. Of course, we can't really seriously judge the January transfer win window and the business being done right now yet. We have to see how those players perform, not for the rest of this season, but also for the future. It really is a big thing. So I think it was always going to be a case of Chelsea having to spend in this new ownership, having to spend a lot to rectify the mistakes of the previous one. But let's hope they, they stay that way. But we know that if we don't get Champions League football, 
it's going to be a big problem and it will definitely impact Chelsea spending absolutely in the summer. But Nandi Madawake is really the big talking point today and I'm interested to hear your thoughts on him. Do you think this is a good signing? Are you scratching your head again? Why once, you know, it's more attacking investment, but is attacking investment exactly what we need right now? And are the players we're bringing in, like Mudrik as well, going to change the game? If you haven't listened to or watched my Mudrik special with Andrew Todos, it was a really, really good episode. We had about 20 minutes, 25 minutes discussing Mudrick, um, his development at Shakhtar, what he could bring to Chelsea, some of the things that have made him such a desirable target for Arsenal and Chelsea and, and a lot of people excited about his potential. Please go and check that out on the YouTube. Um, it's my previous video on the podcast. I'm sure it's the, the previous podcast episode as well. Um, so yeah, let me know your thoughts on that and I will see you again very soon. All the best. <laughs>